2: Breaking down every game, every day in Major League Baseball. This is the Baseball Betting Show. Here is your host, Greg Peterson.
5: A warmer Lilo. Welcome to Lovey Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Show with myself, Greg Peterson. Now part of the Beeson Family Podcast, and we have got a tremendous podcast for you. It's in the second segment. I'm going to be joined by Matt Paul. He does a great job doing pre- and post-game work for the Milwaukee Brewers flagship station, 620 WTMJ. He is going to be joining me. We're going to be taking a look at what wound up going wrong for the Milwaukee Brewers in their eight-game losing streak. Also, the state of their pitching staff as Brandon Woodruff, Freddie Peralta. They're currently on the injured list. What to make out of this National League Central race in general between the St. Louis Cardinals and the Milwaukee Brewers. They can look forward to their series against the New York Mets. So, going to have a great chat with him in the second segment. And then in the final segment, we're going to give you guys picks and analysis on every game on the betting board for this MLB Tuesday as we touch them all. First things first. Always do love to be able to answer Twitter questions on this podcast. If you got one or two ways to be able to throw those in, first one is my Twitter timeline at Junet underscore eighty one. Keep in mind, letters C M naming does not matter. So as per usual, please just send these into the timeline. Other ways find an Apple Podcast review. If you rate this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated. From there, you're able to fire whatever you'd like to hear on this podcast. Find that five star review. Really did not wind up getting in any Twitter questions today, but we had a pretty fun day of baseball on Monday. So let's take a look back at it. Try to find some trends and. Try to get to know these seems a little bit better. Games from yesterday is Greg buzzing about. Here is the rowdy recap. Now, I wound up having to do the recap a little bit earlier. Typically, I wind up doing this more around 10 to 10.30 10 p.m. Pacific time. Tonight I have to do it right around 8-ish because I'm on the lookout and it is on V from 10 p.m. Pacific time to 1 a.m. If you're out there east coast, 1 to 4 a.m. was on there. Technically, if you're out there on the East Coast Tuesday, as you're hearing this right now, and then I'm also gonna be doing it on Wednesday. So Recaps are gonna be a little bit more East Coast based these next few days. So do note that. But we did wind up seeing some interesting finals, and the games are not final. I'll give you guys what we've got to this point. But the St. Louis Cardinals, they wind up taking down the Pittsburgh Pirates by kind of seven to five as For Pittsburgh, Mitch Keller, not a bad start here, two runs given up in five and a third innings, but it's a Pirates bullpen that's not necessarily been great this year and wound up really costing the team in this one. Anthony Banda, he winds up giving up three runs in a third of an inning, including a home run to Mr. Dylan Carlson, third home run season, then Chris Stratton would allow Paul Goldschmidt to get his 13th home run season for Stratton, gives up one run in one and a third innings. There's an unearned run given up by Yuri De Los Santos as well, and... For the Pirates, they do end up going three or four with men in scoring position as Zach Thompson really am not necessarily too bullish on him for this season. For the Cardinals, gives up five runs over the course of five innings, winds up giving up two bombs as Michael Javis gets his sixth home run season. Diego Castillo is third, but the bullpen from there was able to do their part as you wound up having T.J. McFarlane, Genesis Cabrera, goodbye for two score settings. Giovanni Gallegos, Ryan Elsley. They. Both give you a scroll of setting apiece. The first start of the season for Lance Lynn wasn't necessarily terrific for Lynn, but the White Sox offense was able to get going. They take down the Detroit Tigers by kind of 9-5 as Mr. Jose Abereyu wound up having four RBI and two home runs. His eighth and ninth of the campaign as he goes deep off for Ronnie Garcia in the first setting as Garcia in his start. He winds up giving up four runs over the course of four innings and a Tigers bullpen that has been relatively good. Entered into Monday, second in the league. In terms turns bullpen, anyway. Right, not necessarily too terrific as Joey Jimenez. He gave up the other home run, giving up two runs in his ending of work. Michael Former. Along with Will Vest throwing there, Jason Foley, they all give you a scoreless setting, but also had Andrew Chafin giving up three runs, two of which were earned for the Tigers. Actually busted out with the bats. Willie Castro, a second home run season. The Tigers now have 31 home runs in 60 games, by the way, but... For the Chicago White Sox, after Lynn wound up leaving after giving up 10 hits and 4 to 3rd innings to the Detroit Tigers, including that home run. Bullpen didn't look bad. Bennett Sosa winds up giving you 1 and a 3rd innings scoreless. Tanner Banks, Kendall Graveman, they both give you a scoreless setting And Kyle Crick. Does wind up giving up 2 runs. He went 1 and a 3rd innings. The Blue Jays really wound up taking it to the Baltimore Orioles. 11 to 1 was the final in this one as... For the Baltimore Orioles, they wound going one of seven with Ben in scoring position, and Kyle Bradish got destroyed, giving up five runs and four in a third innings. I figured there'd be a little bit of regression with regards to this Baltimore Orioles bullpen and for Logan Gillespie had a somewhat ERA entering into this one. Now it is a 435. He gives up four runs in a third of an inning. It wanted turning into Rico Garcia getting two innings. He winds up giving up one run in Austin. Awesome both one run giving up and one in one and a third innings. As going deep was Vladger Jr., 15th home run season and Alec Manoa. Manoa what he was pretty good. He winds up going six innings, gives up one hit, one walk along the way to the weather. He does wind up giving up one run while getting a pair of outs, but you did have Adam Simberg give you a scoreless setting. Matt Gage is able to give you four outs out of the bullpen, as there's absolutely nothing doing here for the Baltimore Orioles on this night. There was a lot doing for the two starting pitchers in this one, though, as DK Nation pick up the underwinds of hitting in Miami and Philadelphia's Phillies. They walk it off by a count of 3-2, to Sandy Alcantara, Another good start from the two runs that he winds up giving up the most, and he's given up at a start in, I believe, seven starts. He winds up going 72-thirds innings, gives up two runs. He wind up having Stephen Okert give you an out of the bullpen before Anthony Bass goes into the ninth inning. Got two outs before he wound up allowing the game-winning run as... The two runs that the Miami Marlins wound up getting off of a pair of Miguel Rojas doubles as they both wound up scoring John Birdie as for the Philadelphia Phillies. Aaron Supernova. pretty super. He wound up giving up those two RBI hits, two runs in total over the course of seven innings, and then Connor Brogdon, Sir Anthony Dominguez, able to give you a scoreless setting and for the Philadelphia Phillies. That makes it now, I believe, nine wins in their last ten games. So they've been able to show a little bit of dominance. The Atlanta Braves—they wind up going on the road, and they get it done against the Washington Nationals. And very interesting ordeal here for the Washington Nationals, as they were supposed to have Josiah Gray be the starter for the team. It was looking like it was going to be a bullpen game for the Washington Nationals on Tuesday. Now it might wind up being Josiah Gray because he didn't get scratched due to injury or anything like that. There was a rain delay that was right around an hour and a half, and. Apparently he got warmed up and he couldn't get lathered back up. So I think that they're probably going to push him back to Tuesday, but I am not quite sure. And well, the guy that wanted starting Arasboto Ramirez, he went three innings and he gave up six runs, including three bombs, going deep for the Atlanta Braves. Travis no his seventh home run of the season. Marcelo Zona is 11th, and then Adam Duvall winds up getting his 7th home run season. Then Jordan Weems would come in. He allows Dancy Swanson to be able to get his 8th home run season as he allowed 2 runs in his 2 innings of work. And for the Atlanta Braves, Ian Anderson continues to be a little bit concerning for the team as he allowed 4 runs in 4 innings in his start. So, that was not necessarily too terrific out there. The Houston Astros and the Texas Rangers wound up doing battle, and for the Texas Rangers, they actually wound up getting a halfway decent start out of Taylor Hearn. He winds up giving up three runs over the course of five and a third innings. He kept the ball in the yard And Christian Avier, another very good start, gives up two runs over the course of six innings. As I'm doing, this game is wrapping up with the Rangers up 4-3. to three. Hard to be able to give you too much with regards to Twins and Mariners and Royals and Giants, as both of those games are within the first five innings, along with the Arizona Diamondbacks and the Cincinnati Reds, so I can't tell you, for the Cincinnati Reds, was not a good start for Mike Miner, who gave up four runs in his first four innings of work, this guy has just not been good ever since he wound up having that good season. I believe in 2019 for the Texas Rangers, good first half of the season, he was like a big giant candidate for regression and did regress on Christian Walker. Took him deep, 16th home run of the season. And as I'm doing this right now, it's tied up between the Padres and the Chicago Cubs. But what we've seen right now in Major League Baseball is that the overs are really starting to take hold a little bit going into what we wound up getting on Monday. 52.5% of games over the last three days had wound up going over the total. You take a look at what we've gotten in the last seven days in general with about half the Monday card pending. Forty-six overs to forty unders. That is a hit rate above fifty-three and a half percent on the over, and in that time span, favorites are fifty-five and thirty-four, so in right around sixty-two percent. If you're taking a look at everything that we've got season to date in Major League Baseball, right around fifty-one and a half percent of games have won under the total. Four hundred thirty-seven unders, four hundred and fourteen overs. With favorites going five thirty-five and three fifty-nine straight up, so in just below sixty percent. But they've had a tough time being able to cover the run line, as there have been one hundred and thirty. 39 instances in which a home favorite has been unable to cover the run line and this is even more demonstrative with the home team says home favorites have won 338 times lost 233 times home favorites, so though. They have failed to cover the run line in 103 of those wins. So, something certainly to take note of, and something that we always take note of is teams are getting hot and cold, and the Brewers, well, they were a little bit cold before getting a win on Sunday. We're going to be calling in Matt Paul. He does a great job with pre and post game work of the Milwaukee Brewers for their flagship station, 620 WTMJ. We're going to take a look at the crew. We're going to take a look at their upcoming series with the New York Mets, and we're going to be diving into the race in general out there in the National League Central. That's up next uh, right here on the base
1: Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts.
6: This is Colin Coward from The Herd with Colin Cowherd. Angie's list is now Angie, the nation's largest home service marketplace.
2: Breaking down every game, every day in Major League Baseball. This is the Baseball Betting Show. Here is your host, Greg Peterson.
5: And we're back here lovely LA Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Show with myself, Greg Peterson. Now part of the Beeson Family Podcast. It is always a pleasure to be joined by this guest as Matt Polly does terrific work doing pre- and post-game work for the Milwaukee Brewers over there at their official flagship station, 620 WTMJ. And on top of that, if you're someone that you just tune in to regular sports talk radio nationwide, you might find this man doing updates because he does them all over the place. Where Sports Map Radio does terrific work there. Also, does some UW Green Bay Phoenix women's basketball play by play work as well. And to be able to follow Matt Pauly, you're able to do so very easily. That is that, Matt Pauly on air. And that is all together. Last name is spelled P A U L E Y. And Matt, great to have you aboard. Thank you. Yeah,
4: thank you for having me. I always uh, enjoy coming on.
5: Always enjoy having you on. And, well, Ding dong, the witch is dead for the Milwaukee Brewers as they were riding an eight-game losing streak going into Sunday. They were able to get the job done by a count of four to one. And when it comes to losing streak of the Brewers, what do you wind up attributing this to the most? Because it felt like it was just a wide variety of things that wanted going wrong for the Brewers, including Josh Hader's forty straight appearances streak of not giving up a run coming to an end. But I take a look at the Brewers and I feel like it was just not necessarily one thing that wanted going wrong for them. It was just something different almost every single night during that losing streak.
4: Yeah, I mean, it was a really weird thing. As an organization, this team had not had an eight-game losing streak in, I think, eight years. It's been a while. Going even further than back to be nine-game losing streak, and it could have easily been nine because their lone win or a couple losses against the Cubs, they they won a game against the Padres where they were down by three in the ninth and then came back to win. So if they don't have that just unbelievable win against the Padres in that first game of that series – what we're talking about, I guess a 12 game losing streak. I think you're right. I think it was a lot of things. It started because the team wasn't scoring runs, and especially early on in that losing streak, they were without a lot of players. They were without Willie Adamas. They were without Hunter Renfro. They were without Omar Nervaez. They were without Luis Urias. Uh, Some of those players on the injured list, some of them on the COVID injured list, some of them just not available to play. They didn't get everybody back. Colton Wong is on the injured list. He's missed a little bit of time. Luis Urias had to come back out of Sunday's win against Washington. He's dealing with a hamstring from a pitching standpoint. They haven't had Brandon Woodruff. They haven't had Freddy Peralta. There's a bunch of relievers uh, who are on the injured list as well. It started as them not scoring runs, and then you know this, having watched the game as long as you have. When things start going poorly in one area – then it's a domino effect and stuff starts going poorly in other areas as well. Pitching all of a sudden starts giving up a ton of runs and this is a really good pitching team. So it was just one of those things where when things aren't going right, those plays that get made when things are going good, don't get made. And it ended up into an eight game losing streak. And as somebody who does a post game show, I can tell you Brewers fans were freaking, you know what out about it. And it was a lot of trying to like talk people down because these things do happen. I think their last seven-game losing streak was 2018 when they made it into the NLCS. So it's a long season, 162 games. Long answer to your short answer. But it started with not scoring runs, and it ended with them just not being able to do much of anything right.
5: Yeah, it's just one of those things in which Murphy's Law just really felt like wound up happening to the Milwaukee Brewers. And I, I take a look at this Brewers team, and they are a little bit banged up right now as well as you do have Matt Polly, Milwaukee Brewers pre- and post-game work joining me right here on the podcast. And right now they're having to mix and match starters. We wound up seeing on a Sunday, Jason Alexander, no, not to be confused with the gentleman that wound up being one of the stars of one of the great greatest of all time, Seinfeld. He wound up getting the start and he's been able to do a relatively solid job of be able to hold on the fort for the birds. But, Brandon Woodruff is currently on the fold for the team. Freddy Peralta is as well. Both of these guys, when they've been in the starting rotation for the Brewers, I think it's fair to say that they've had their ups and downs this season. But what is really the timetable? for their return, because I think that that's going to be really crucial for the seed moving forward, because other than Corbin Burns among their big three, he's really the only one that is out there at this point.
4: Yeah, a lot of people have been asking about that. So for Brandon Woodruff, he's had two things. So it started as an ankle issue. That's what he hurt his ankle in a game, had to go on the injured list. And then during the time that he's been on the injured list, he has developed a nerve condition in his fingers, and he has not been able to feel his fingers. And if you can't feel your fingers, you're not going to grip a baseball. So that's been what he's been dealing with recently. They got him on some medication, threw a bullpen session, mainly throwing fastballs, and that went well. His next bullpen session is supposed to come early this upcoming week, probably a Tuesday, maybe Wednesday. And at that point, he's supposed to start throwing some breaking balls. If that goes well, then that's probably the final step towards him getting on a rehab assignment. So you could see a scenario where, again, if everything plays out correctly, Brandon Woodruff could be back pitching with the Brewers in the next week and a half, two weeks or so, depending on how long they want to give him on a rehab assignment. We're probably at a point now where he has to go on a rehab in the sense that he has not been you know, a live pitch in so much time. The story of Freddy Peralta is significantly different. He's got a shoulder issue and he is going to be reevaluated come August. They have not said what I'm about to say, but I'll say it. I don't see much value in bringing him back as a starting pitcher this year, assuming that there are other starters are healthy because if you're talking about him coming back in August, well, then you know being reevaluated in August, then you're going to have to get him on a rehab assignment. You're going to have to uh, stretch him back out to being a starter, and then three weeks later, the postseason is going to begin and you're not going to be able to take all those starters onto your postseason roster anyways. They've got so many darn starting pitchers, and you only need really three for the Divisional Series and four for the Championship Series. So for me, why waste the time trying to stretch Peralta back out when he has shown in his career that he can be a good relief pitcher? I'm not saying relief pitcher for the rest of his career, but if the timeline's August, I don't think it makes much sense to try to bring him back as a starter. And we'll see what it looks like when he actually gets to that point. I've had people who play fantasy baseball come to me and say, what should I you know? We need Peralta as the starter. Is he worth hanging on to, putting onto the injured list? Yada yada yada. And I said, you know, for me, no, probably not, because we're talking August. By the time he even gets reevaluated, not when he's for sure back pitching.
5: Yeah, but it's going to be so interesting to see how the Brewers wind up being able to maneuver things. Because I know that Aaron Ashby is a guy that they're very high on. Looks like he's going to be making his first next start. Most likely I would think on Thursday against the New York Mets could wind up coming a little bit sooner, a little bit later, but looks like he'll be going on Thursday. He's been able to do a better job as a starter, in my opinion. It looked like towards the beginning part of the season, it looked like he might be a little bit of a long guy. They've been able to stretch him out, so... It's going to be intriguing to see how that winds up working out. Not to interrupt
4: you, but I can just tell you right now, the Brewers did not officially announce their starters for the Mets series, and it is Ashby on Thursday. They'll go Hauser-Burns, Ashby on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. That's official from the Brewers with Bassett-Peterson and Miguel going for the Mets for those three days.
5: And that's going to be interesting because assuming that this winds up holding the foreman, Adrian Hauser does wind up going on Tuesday, he has been all over the place. You take a look at his last five starts, He's allowed one run in three out of those five starts. And then then the other two starts, he wound up allowing five earned runs. One of them, he allowed eight runs, five of which were earned in those starts. And what do you attribute just Adrian Houser being so up and down too? Because either this guy comes out and he winds up looking really good, gives you five to six innings, gives up one run or in some cases zero, or he winds up getting destroyed and there's really been no in-between with him all season
3: long.
4: Yeah, it's a lot of different things. Like there's some times where he just does not does not perform well. There's some times where it's where he gets dinked and dunked to death. It's a lot of soft contact. He's a now that's going to happen with him. Let's start with that. He is a pitch to contact guy. He uses his sinker. He might have the best sinker of any starter in Major League Baseball. But when you are a pitch-to-contact guy, and I love pitch-to-contact guys. I think baseball is so much more of an entertaining sport when pitchers are drawing contact. But the danger in being a pitch-to-contact guy is the fact that you can just be really unlucky and things can go poorly for you. Now, that does not describe his last start. His last start against Philadelphia, he couldn't keep the ball in the yard. He gave up three home runs. He had given up three home runs the entire season combined up until that point so he doubled his home runs that he'd given up from three to six in one six inning outing so he just missed some pitches those home runs hurt like that's what makes the line look bad he gives up five runs three home runs you could attribute the bad day to that he has to hit his spots and that's true about a lot of pitchers he has to have command of his pitches or things are not going to go especially well for him, again, especially with a couple of those home runs that he gave up against the Phillies, he just missed a spot.
5: And then just with the offense in general, it has also been a big issue with the Brewers, and they're going up against a Mets team that, I will say, I feel like they've been the most consistent team in all of baseball. As of right now, they're leading the league in terms of batting average. Last year, Pete Alonso wound up leading the league in terms of home runs on the road, and it's sort of a tale of two different offenses because with the Mets, you've got darn near everyone in the lineup hitting above a two fifty for the CM and for the Milwaukee Brewers. There are some nights where you take a look at the starting lineup. You've got a lineup in which doesn't have a single guy that's really hitting above a two sixty. So I think that that has been something to – be taking a look at as well with the New York Mets. I think that's going to be a really stiff competition here for the Brewers because I take a look at this Mets team, and I think that Buck Showalter has made all the difference for them and just – being able to do little things like getting those infield singles to be able to get this team to victory.
4: I love like the grizzled managers who are still really connected with the game. I think we, when you think about the older managers, obviously you, you think about Tony La Russa and there's been some clear issues there with some decisions that he's made. But at the same time, I think the guys on that team in Chicago like playing for him for the most part. But yeah, you look like a Buck Showalter getting another opportunity and that's a perfect place for him because that team just needed a steady hand to lead them. Obviously, look at a Dusty Baker and what he has continued to do as he's gotten up there. I really do appreciate that. So the point you make about Buck Walter, I think, is spot on. They're a really good hitting team. They're a really good team. The Brewers are not a good hitting team. I had somebody uh, ask me on my postgame show this past week if I think the Brewers can be a legitimate World Series contender when they don't have a single position player all-star. And I thought it was a really interesting point because I hadn't thought of it in those terms. And there are some guys first like I know Willie Adams's numbers aren't there but I think Adams is an all-star caliber player, I really do. He's had some injuries and some other things go against him. I think Christian Yelich still has that in a maybe-not-MVP form. You've got a guy like Rowdy Teles, who's one of the league leaders in RBIs. You've got a catcher like Omar Narvaez who's hitting 280 or so from the catcher spot. It's not like there's nothing there. Hunter Renfro, obviously, can hit some home runs. Luis Urias, when he's given a chance to play every day and isn't banged up, he gives you nice at-bats. The bottom line is, right now, the Brewers do not have a player Putting up all star numbers at a position. And we're talking about this team because of their pitching being a legitimate World Series contender. Well, last year we saw what happened when they matched up against the Braves. The hitting went completely quiet. The hitting profile of this year's team is very similar to what they had last year. You drop Avisayo Garcia and you add Hunter Renfro, get rid of Jackie Bradley Jr., and you give more playing time to Tyrone Taylor. But I mean, outside of that, it is largely the same team that they had last year. With all due respect to Hunter Renfro and Tyrone Taylor, who I think both those players have done a nice job this year, that's not going to be a difference-making guy. What this team still needs, I still think they could really use another big bat. And maybe that comes at center field. That seems to be if there's one spot where you see just a clear need for an offensive upgrade, it is center field. Uh, and then I still think, Christian Yelich getting back to some form of being an all-star player is really important. Now, I say that. He's been moved into the leadoff spot. He's on a six-game hitting streak. In those six games, he has 11 hits. Had a leadoff home run the second game of the series. That was his first home run in about a month. It was the first time he had more than two hits in a game in uh, about a month as well. So there's some things that are maybe moving in the right direction. But overall, I think this is a Brewers team that is uh, pretty flawed from an offensive standpoint. We do have
5: Matt Pauly. does a great job doing Milwaukee Birds pre- and post-game work for 620 WTMJ. Joining me on the podcast and... When you take a look at the division as a whole, right now the St. Louis Cardinals are the team that is leading the division. And I take a look at things moving forward. And if I were to pick a team right now that I think is going to be coming out on top in the National League Central, I would still be going with the Brewers, but I think that it's very tight between these two. The reason why I give the slight edge to the Brewers is because I do think that they've got a little bit more pitching depth as the Cardinals are trying to mix and match towards back half of their rotation. But I do take a look at this Cardinals team and what they've been able to get out of the young guys with regards to their lineup, has been very good. Guys like Nolan Gorman, even someone like Juan Yepes, they've been able to come through. And if the Cardinals are able to find something with regards to a number four or number five starter, maybe an Andre Palanti is the answer for them. I think that there's a real possibility that the Cardinals could wind up taking this National League Central. Not sure what your thoughts are overall for the division, but I think it's going to be a good race here
4: moving forward. I 100% agree. I, I've been saying that from the start. Like At the beginning of the season, there were a lot of people saying that the Brewers were going to – run away with the division much like they did last year and I never thought that was true I thought the Cardinals are a really really good team now you make the point about starting pitching I think they need to be careful in St. Louis relying too much on the return of Jack Flaherty and that should happen at some point in the relatively near future but Flaherty for basically two years has not shown the ability to stay healthy so how much can you count on him if he stays healthy he is absolutely a game changer but just assuming that he's going to be healthy I think that's a dangerous road to go down if you are St. Louis now they've got young guys watching Nolan Gorman come up from AAA and have the immediate impact that he's had another young pitcher who hasn't really totally put it together at the major league level yet but I have a feeling he's going to be pretty good by the time the season comes to an end Michael Libertor you know him and Gorman came up at the same time they were the number two and number three prospects in the organization according to MLB Pipeline I think the Cardinals are good I think the Brewers are good I think Luck and health are really going to play into uh, who ends up winning this division. Clearly, the Brewers have to get healthy. They have to get Brandon Woodruff back on the mound. See what they get from Freddie Peralta. Can they continue to, you know, throw a Jason Alexander in there and him go give you five, maybe six innings with a, you know, ERA below three? Is that something that they can expect to continue to happen from a guy who's been a minor league journeyman? I don't know. He's been really fun to watch, and if that keeps going that's good for the Brewers, but you know, guys like that at times do. They just kind of, it goes away for them. So bottom line, it's luck and it's health, and I think those two things are going to determine who ends up winning the NL Central because these are two really good teams.
5: It is going to be a tremendous race moving forward out there in the National League Central, and Matt, you're going to have a front-row seat to it. I know that you do a great job every single day, day in and day out, take a look at the Milwaukee Brewers doing their pre- and post-game, working on top of that. I know you do a lot of podcast work, taking a look at everything that we're getting with the Milwaukee Brewers. You cover this team on a day-in and day-out basis. So let the good people at home know they're able to follow you on social media and just everything that you've got going on in general.
4: Yeah, follow me on Twitter, Matt Pauly on air, M-A-T-T-P-A-U-L-E-Y on air. We do the Brewers uh, post-game show on UTMJ that can be streamed at WTMJ.com and then everything that I do whether it's a post game show whether it's some exclusive digital content that just goes on the uh, podcast channel it's part of the Brewers Extra Innings podcast channel so if you're on an Apple podcast just do a search for Brewers Extra Innings you can find the archive post game show every day in addition to all the extra stuff that we do digitally.
5: And Matt does an absolutely terrific job day in the day out. taking take a look at the Milwaukee Brewers does such a nice job of being able to cover the game of baseball. And whenever he joins his podcast, he always delivers good. So big thanks to Matt Pauly for joining me right here on The Baseball Betting Show, now part of the Visan Family podcast. And coming up next, it is that time the podcast. They give you picks and analysis on every game on the betting board for this MLB Tuesday as we touch them all.
2: From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on Select Battery Tool Sets.
3: Real steel. Offer valid on Select AK System sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details.
2: Breaking down every game every day in Major League Baseball. This is the Baseball Betting Show. Here is your host, Greg Peterson.
5: And we're back here lovey Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Show with myself, Greg Peterson. Now part of the Beeson Family Podcast, it is always a pleasure to get Matt Pauley. He does a great job with Milwaukee Brewers pre- and post-game work for their official flagship station, 620 WTMJ. Always good to be able to get his thoughts once every few weeks on this show. I am a man that... Comes from the great state of Wisconsin, and he has won the best in the business when it comes to being able to cover any team out there in the sport. And National League Central currently has a whole lot of hubbub going on with the St. Louis Cardinals currently leading that division. So, great to be able to get him on the podcast. Big thanks to Matt. Now it is that time the podcast. I give you picks and analysis another every game on the betting board for this MLB Tuesday as we touch them all
0: if a game is listed on the betting board greg has a side and a total on it so it is time to touch them all
5: do note that as per usual any changes that are made to these plays will be listed up on my twitter feed at gnet underscore d1 we're going to be going in the last second order this is where we go with the national league games first then the american league games and any interleague games those are going to be at the bottom that'll keep things all nice neat clean and easy one exception is going to be at the top we're going to have a Doubleheader between the Pirates and the St. Louis Cardinals. I'm going to do both of those games all together, or else you're going to be hearing breakdowns of the same players twice on both of those games. So we're going to actually lead off with that double doubleheader. 9:51, 9:52, and 9:59, 9:60 are going to be in conjunction with one another. Game one will have JT Brubaker on the mound for the Buckos and Matthew LeBour for the Cardinals, and then Bryce Wilson for the Road Buckos in Game Two, and Miles Michaelis for the St. Louis Cardinals. Currently, both of these games are off the board, but With that said, I've got numbers on both of these games, and it should come as a shock to nobody whatsoever, but I've got the Cardinals as a favorite in both of these games. Michaelis, I want to make it a minus two sub team favorite, more of a 165 favorite. I'm Matthew Liebertor. You take a look at Liebertor, we're going to go with game one here first. He just hasn't necessarily been that great, and I felt like he got called up to the majors. A little bit too quickly, a 5.54 ERA. Someone who's given up four home runs thus far in three starts. And his first start of his career was against Pittsburgh Pirates. And in that start, he gave up four runs in four and two-thirds innings. Now, that was a road start. He would follow it up with his lone home start being five scoreless against the Milwaukee Brewers. But someone who has lacked command, eight walks over the course of 13 innings. Once again, didn't wind up doing a great job with the guards command while he was at the minor league level. Young 22-year-old. He's going to be good eventually. Right now, he's just not a guy that I trust very much, and JT Burbaker last year wound up having a unsightly ERA on the road that was north of 6. Thus far this year, he's actually been better on the road than he has been at home. The 0-4 record doesn't show it, but in 7 starts, he's given up 3 home runs at 33 and 2 thirds innings, opponents are getting at 2.27 off of him. His strikeouts per 9 rate, right home and road, by the way, a little bit north of 9, so he hasn't been too bad, and for the Pirates, they're 24 wins going into Monday, all but four of them have wound up coming out of the bullpen. Even though the bullpen is not necessarily so great, we're going to get into that when we break down Bryce Wilson in game number two. But it's been interesting to take a look at ever since Dylan Peters has come on the injured list. It has hurt this team a little bit. Chase Young, you got to figure it's going to be a little bit of a long guy. And Will Crow as well. Crow did wind up throwing a little bit on Sunday. wound up going two innings, but he's been utilized as a multi-inning guy two twenty five ERA. Chase Young, he's got a sub 3.5 5 ERA as well. David Benar has been solid, but Anthony Banda... He's got a north of four ERA Dwayne Underwood Jr. can give you some length. He hasn't been so great, though. He and Chris Wren both have ERAs that are hovering north of a four right now. So. And today, for the St. Louis Cardinals. They actually did wind up having a doubleheader about a week and a half ago, and they were able to get some length out of Genesis Cabrera. He wound up pitching four innings in one of those games, so you might be able to look to that. TJ McFarland has been terrible in the bullpen. Nick Wickren, he's got an ERA that is north of a 5 as well. These two guys have not necessarily been too terrific. Drew Verhagen wanted coming back from overseas. He's got a 3-1 record, but north of a 5 ERA as well, so you don't necessarily have a lot of trustworthiness there. And then you take a look at the bats for both of these teams, and obviously the St. Louis Cardinals could have a massive advantage here, because they've got a guy by the name of Paul Goldschmidt, and right now is an on-base that as north of a 420. He's been able to 327, 12-home runs. Nolan Arenado, he's went deep 11 times. He, Tommy Edman, Nolan Gorman, Juan Yepes, along with Brendan Donovan, all entering Monday were hitting at least a 270. All these guys were hitting at max at 280 aside from Donovan, sitting right around at 295, so these guys have been terrific. And then for the Pittsburgh Pirates, you've had Cabrion Ace did a solid job hitting a two seventy five for the seam and Top- Copita Medicano has been late above a thread as well. But right now your long form of power really has been Brian Reynolds. He's picked it up a little bit. He's now hitting a two fifty, got off to a rough start to begin the season with the guards batting average. But you take a look at what he's been able to do recently. He's been hitting about a two ninety over the last three days. So that's yeah, rock solid for the scene. But you take a look at the bottom of the fold, guys like a Yu Chang, Diego Castillo, Tyler Heinemann, these guys are not gonna get it done, although Jack Swazinski up to eight home runs. So this was a spot with Brew Baker versus Libetor, In which in hour for less I'm gonna be looking at an overnight or higher. To the under end with the Cardinals set them at a minus 166 if I'm getting a run and half and I need to lay minus 115 or less or if I'm able to get a plus price obviously I'll be taking a look at the Pirates there as well so that's game one and then in game two When it comes to Wilson and Michaelis, typically Bryce Wilson would piggyback with Dylan Peters. Peters is currently out of the fold for the team, though, so that throws a little bit of a monkey wrench into things. And, I mean, Bryce Wilson in general is not a swing and miss guy. You take a look at him for his career, and he's got sub-six strikeouts, per 9 innings thus far this season. He's been able to do a little bit of a better job with swinging this stuff. He's got right around 7 strikeouts straight per 9 innings, but the walks, 4.5 walks per 9, as far from terrific, it's why he's got a 753 ERA. He's allowing right around 11 hits per 9 innings. Michaelis, a little bit more of a pitch-to-contact guy himself, but he does a good job of being able to get soft contact right around .9 home runs, Per nine innings, he has been getting lit up a little bit more recently. He's given up at least two runs in each of his last five starts, three-plus runs in four of them. So that is a little bit of an issue for him, but has always been able to do a relatively solid job against Pittsburgh Pirates. Has a 491 ERA in the one start that he wanted making this season. I think that he'll be able to do a little bit better there. And honestly, has been worse at home than on the road, 338 home ERA, 248 road ERA. But Rice Wilson, not necessarily a guy that I trust in Michael Michaelis. I think it's going to do a good job of getting a lot of soft contact in this spot. So in game two with Michaelis versus Wilson, water making the Cardinals minus 217 on the money line, up to a minus 115 is what I'd be willing to lay on a minus 1.5 run line, by the way. 8 or less would be looking at an over, 8.5 half higher to the under. So a little bit lower than in game one. Burbaker versus Libertor, I'd be willing to go over on an 8.5 or less. So do note that. So that's what I'm looking at for both of those games. Now we get into less sticky situations. I'm fifty-three, nine 9.54 on the betting board. you got yourself the Atlanta Braves, and they are going to be hitting the road. They're going to be facing off against the Washington Nationals. It was supposed to be Steven Strasburg for the Washington Nationals. He's back on the injured list, though, so it is good old to be determined as I record this, and... And Max Reed is going to be going for the Atlanta Braves. This is a game that's off the board because we have no earthly idea who's going to be starting for the Nationals. When it was supposed to be Steven Strasburg, I had the Nationals at a plus 168. Braves at a minus 168. Was willing to lay a small price on the run line and made my total to wear an 8 or less. I was looking over 8 and a half or higher to the under. you got to think that if it's going to be a bullpen game in the Nationals, probably looking in that neighborhood of about a plus 180-ish with regards to that bullpen game. But, I am spitballing numbers here right now because we just have no idea what's going on. I mean, just a sad situation that's happening with Steven Strasburg, and I mean, the Nationals pretty much had to pull a bullpen game on Sunday against the Milwaukee Brewers, so this is very less than ideal for this team because they had to use up Paul Espino, and Paul Espino, if he does wind up getting the ball, he could wind up finding himself a little bit south of minus 180 because I actually do trust in him a little bit, but with that said, it's not a great situation here for the Nationals. You've had Kyle Finnegan not necessarily been doing a terrific job for this team. Victor Rano, whenever he's been out there, it's been a hot mess. He's a little bit banged up right now. You wind up bringing in someone like Steve Seashek. He has not been able to do the job. So, it's the Nationals bullpen that's not too great. The young guys like Evan Lee and company have not been able to do a solid job. They really don't have a prospect of note that they can call up to be able to make this start. Maybe you wind up getting you on it own, and in that case, I'm making the Braves a $2 favorite, and I'm fading the you-know-what out of you on it own. But, with that said, you take a look at Max Freed, and he's been able to do a terrific job for a Braves team that entered Monday on a double digit win streak. You wind up having Freed wind up having two or three rough starts Begin the season, and ever since then, he is able to lock in a 264 ERA someone who's strikeouts per nine rate is a little bit south of one per inning. He's getting right around any punch outs per nine innings, so he's been able to do a solid job there. Buck sixty-seven ERA on the road. He's only made four road starts, but just given up one home run and three walks in those 27 innings with the opponent sitting a buck 58 off of him in the bullpen. That backs him up. Currently, it is in the top ten in the big leagues in terms of ERA. AJ Minter has been terrific for this team, even with Tyler Madsik. Dealing with injuries, they've been able to do a good job of being able to mix and match. Jesse Chavez is back full, Needs to find a little bit more was a little bit of a rough start through the season for him, but Jackson Steven... He has been able to do a superb job of being able to give this team a little bit of long relief. They did wind up having to transfer Spencer Strider into the starting rotation, but I mean, it still has been a team that they've been able to get good and night and in night out, even from someone like a Darren O'Day, who's a little bit longer in the tooth, and then you do take a look at what they're going to be facing in terms of the Nationals lineup, and you do have quite a few guys that are able to get on base for this team. The main guy is Josh Bell. He's been able to right around a 300. Juan Soto His on-base percentage is right around about a 360 to a 370, but I mean, he's only been able to hit a 230 this season. He's got 13 home runs, but you just expect a little bit more from him. Cesar Hernandez along with Yadio Hernandez, Nelson Cruz, keep at Ruiz. All these guys are in between a 260 to a 270. Mikel Franco's in that fold as well. And Luis Garcia going into Monday was hitting a 372 and as well sample size him for the Atlanta Braves. They haven't been hitting the same on the road as they have been at home. I do think that that is going to be taking up a little bit more, though, because now you've got Ronald Acuna back in the fold. He has been able to get a home run every 20 or so at bat, sitting above a 300 on-base percentage, well north of a 400 as well, so he has been absolutely superb for this team. And then Matt Olson, he's hitting about a 250, but his on-base has been nearly 100 points higher. Austin Riley, he's been able to give you a home run every 15 or so at bat, 16 bombs. He's hitting at 260. Dancy Swanson is sitting at 290. Travis no, Ozzy Albies, both of these guys sitting in that pocket of a right around a 250, so I do think that this is going to be a good spot here for the Atlanta Braves. Like I said, if it's going to be a bullpen game versus the Washington Nationals, I do think that the Braves should be right around about a minus 180-ish favorite. I was setting it more around minus 165 when it was supposed to be Steven Strasburg, and right now, as it says, bullpen game against the Atlanta Braves and Max Fried, in eight or less, I'd be looking at an over eight and a half higher to the under, but subject to some change because, well... We were expecting Steven Strasburg, and now this game is currently off the board because we are not getting Steven Strasburg. So we go to 9.55, 9.56 on the betting board. It is the Miami Marlins. They're the facing off against the Philadelphia Phillies. Zach Eflin hopes to not be Eflin awful for the Phillies. and. You've got Trevor Rogers, who's going to be on the bump for Miami. Miami is finding themselves any between minus-125 and minus-136 favorites. Meanwhile, the Phils is sending between minus-142 and minus-150. 8.5 is your total. Unders any between minus-110 and minus-120. The overs any between even and minus-110. And when it comes to Zach Eflin and company, I feel like Eflin has really been able to do a solid job this season. So I wound up setting him a minus-154 favorite. If you're taking a look at the run line, by the way, you're right now finding the Phillies right around a plus-135 in a lot of spots, I was willing to take this at a plus 130 or greater decision time for me Winds it up coming down to being able to reduce the juice, get a little bit of a plus price, so I'm looking a little bit more at the run line personally, and what I think is just so important when taking a look at this run line is taking a look at the home and road splits that you've got with Zach Eflin thus far this season. He's got overall a 2-4 and four record, 376 ERA, nothing that's going to wow you. He's kept the ball in the yard, though. Five home runs given up at 55 total innings. His walks per nine rate hovers right around two as well, but Buck 16 home ERA in his five starts, five road starts, 713 ERA. It's about as stark as it gets, and he's given up more home runs at home than he has on the road, which I find to be absolutely wild as well, but he has really been at his best when he has been in Philadelphia, and then you take a look at Trevor Rogers, and throughout his career, he's actually pitched a little bit better on the road than he has at home, and that's really manifested itself this season. 334 road ERA. 885 home area. Now, I think that you're going to see this wind up ironing out a little bit more regression on the road, progression at home, but Certainly has been wild to take a look at us, but instead of 234 off of him on the road, 326 at home. And when it comes to Trevor Rogers, walks, always an issue with him right around four walks per nine And said He's not necessarily backed up by the world's greatest bullpen, Lewis Head. He wound up entering into the month with a sub of 120 ERA. His ERA is now right around a seven. Dylan Flora has been not necessarily been able to get the job done. He? He's got right around four GRA. You've got Richard Blyer. He's not been able to do a great job either. Anthony Bass is someone that I've actually been intrigued with a sub-2 ERA out of him. But Miami Marlins bullpen has really been regressing it for the Philadelphia Phillies. I mean, needless to say, it's not necessarily the world's greatest bullpen. You've got Corey Kniebel. You've got Brad Ampere pair of guys that able to trust him, but past that, it is a bunch of guys like Christopher Sanchez, James Norwood, and company that are not necessarily too terrific, but you do take a look at this Phillies lineup and got a trio of guys at the top that have been able to give you 11-plus home runs. Reese Hoskins, only right around 232, but he's been able to get on base. He's got those 11 bombs, and then Kyle Schwarber, Bryce Harper, Entering into Monday, a combined 31 home runs. Harper's hitting a 315. Schwarber just about a 210, but his on base is closer to a 330. they you've got guys like JT Reed Muto, Alec Boehm, Nick Cassianos and company, anywhere around 250. And then for the Marlins, this has actually been a halfway decent offense with Evan Garrett Cooper hitting above a 300 for this team. and. You've also had Jazz Shislam hit right around a 250 double double-digit amount of homers. He's been making apparently quite a bit of hubbub when it comes to everything that's going on in the clubhouse, but you're not as privy to that. You take a look at just this Philly team in general, though. I do think that they're going to be able to get some solid innings out of Zach Eflin, which is going to take the bullpen out of it. And then I think that these guys are going to be able to do a good job against the struggling bats of Jacob Stallings, Miguel Roas, Ore Soler. All guys are in between about a 200 to a 215 inch layer So be able we'll give you a double digit amount of homers, but I do think that Eflin is going to be able to come in. He's going to be able to hold down the fourth. So this is the spot in which I do want to be able to reduce the juice. I am going to be taking a look at the run line and when it comes to the total, I do think that we should be able to see a relatively decent start here from Trevor Rogers to we'll be able to keep this game under. So I might total it at 8.3. So looking at an 8.5 a a under and I'm taking a look at the Philadelphia Phillies on the run line. 957 958 on the banking board. The most- Milwaukee Brewers and throw it to face off against the New York Mets as Chris Bassett has the hook, line, and sinker for the Mets and Adrian Don't Call Me Doogie Houser. Who's on the bump for the Brewers and the Brewers are finding themselves. Underdogs anywhere between plus 125 and plus 133. And we're finding the New York Bets. You're going to be getting them anywhere between a minus 137 to a minus 150. It is your total. The under is anywhere between minus 105 and minus 115 and the over. Same juice, minus 105, minus 115. And with the Brewers, just need anything of a plus 130 or greater to be able to take a shot here. So we are barely in on the Milwaukee Brewers in this spot. And I do think that for Milwaukee, it is very key that Adrian Hauser just winds up being a little bit more consistent in general. We wound up talking about this with our good friend Matt Paulius. It's been an up and down season for him. You take a look at him really over the course of his last five starts and he's either giving up a one run or he's giving up five plus and there's not much in between Has he wound up giving up 100 runs against the Atlanta Braves, 5 starts ago, and then 1 run against the San Diego Padres. He gives up 8 runs, 5 of which weren't against the St. Louis Cardinals, 1 run against the Padres, and then 5 against the Philadelphia Phillies, including 3 bombs in that one. So, it has been an all-over-the-place season for him and for Chris Bassett. He's had a rough year as well. He's actually got a worse ERA than Adrian Owls. are posting up a 435 ERA, and the big thing for him has been giving up the homers right around 1.5 home runs per 9 innings. Now, Bassett has been a little a bit better at home since it is a bit more of a pitcher-friendly ballpark, but still, 365 ERA with 5 home runs, give it up in 37 innings at City Field thus far this season. Strikeout numbers, they're still there. He's getting 10 punch outs per 9 innings. Hauser, not necessarily been the world's biggest swing and miss guy. He's got more around 7 strikeouts per 9 innings and really with both of these guys. Walks have been a tad bit of an issue with Bassett in the neighborhood, about 3.1 walks per 9 innings. Hauser, closer to 3.5 walks per 9 innings. And for the Brewers, it has been an up and down offense. You do have guys that are able to give you some power as you got a trio of guys with between 10 and eleven home runs. Rowdy Tellez, Hunter Renfro, Willie Adamas, but Adamas hitting just a two hundred. You got to figure that that's going to be going a little bit north, where you've got Rowdy Tellez along with Hunter Renfro in between about a two forty-five to a two fifty. And Victor Carantini, Christian Yelich, both of these guys hitting right around two forty to a two forty-five. So they've been able to do a relatively consistent job there. But for the Burrs, they're hitting just a two thirty-one as a collective. But it has been intriguing to take a look at some of their road splits as well. Now, City Field obviously is a little bit more of a pitcher-friendly ballpark but they're hitting just at 2.28 on the road, but with the Brewers as well. You've got in the back half of that bullpen, Devin Williams, Josh Hader, the best one-two punch in the eighth and ninth inning in the big leagues. And for the New York Mets, it would been able to get some good innings out of Drew Smith. Jason Shreve has been a little bit up and down. And then you've also been having to rely upon Abonavino. That's not necessarily too terrific, but currently they are posting up the best batting average out there in the big leagues. So I do think that there might be a little bit of regression with it. Pete Alonso has been amazing. He's been able to supply 18 home runs. Jeff McNeil is hitting at three 3- twenty. Twenty Marcana, he's hitting right around 300. Luis Golorme is hitting at 325. I mean, those guys that are producing just goes on and on. Eduardo Escobar last week wound bidding for a cycle after a rough start to the season, and really a rough stint when he got traded for by the Milwaukee Brewers. He's been able to pick it up, hitting right around 280 over the last 30 days for the team. Starling Marte, one of the best base heroes out there in baseball, sitting at 280. But I do think that the Brewers are going to be able to do a solid job with guys like Brad Boxberger being able to hold down the 49. I do think that Adrian Hauser is going to be able to lend a little bit of a better start getting anything north of a plus 130 going to be willing to take shot here on the birds. And I do think that this is going to be a lower scoring game but I and Hauser, I think are both going to be able to find it in this spot, semi-total at 7.7 so here at the 8 looking under and anything north of a plus 130, going to be willing to take shot here on the crew as 959-960 is a part of that Cardinals versus Pirates double dip, so we go to 961-962 on the betting board. These Slime Diego Padres they throw the facing off against the Chicago Cubs as Kyle Hendricks, the professor, is going to be going for the Cubs and Chamonix is going to be on the bump for the Padres. This is a game that's currently off the board because while well, Wrigley field totals in general, you're always going to wind up fighting them off the board. But in this instance, you've also got yourself a case in which it was unknown as to whether or not the professor was going to be coming in for his start or not as he wanted king push pushback a few days with regards to his start. But with that said, this is a situation which I did wind up saying my total at a 104 because... Take a look at the forecast that we're going to be getting in this one, and wind is going to be blowing out, and the wind is going to be blowing out about 14 to 15 miles per hour, and it's going to be about 85 degrees at time of first pitch. Obviously, going to get cooler as the night winds are going along, but it's humid, it's windy, and that's not necessarily great when it comes to pitchers, and I did wind up in this spot, wind up making Chamonix a minus 131 favorite as well, but you do take a look at what you're going to be able to get out of shamane and he has been a guy that's been up and down. We wound up talking about this with both Chris Bassett and Adrian Hauser of the Brewers and the Mets, and it certainly has been that case with Chaminade, and the big thing for him is that he needs to be able to get a little bit more with his command. He's been giving up a little bit over three bucks per nine innings, giving up a little bit over one home run per nine innings, a little bit over nine strikeouts per nine. That is certainly going to fly, but when you wind up putting guys on cheaply, that is going to wind up costing you, and he's actually been significantly better on the road than he has been at home. 303 road ERA, 415 home ERA, doesn't necessarily make a lot of sense because San Diego is so pitcher friendly, but he's given up three home runs in 38 and two thirds innings whenever he has been on the road with opponents hitting just a buck 85 off of him. And then for Kyle Hendricks, he's always been a guy that's performed better at home than he has on the road. That is up until really last season. This season, we're starting to see a little bit of these splits that we are used to with Kyle Hendricks, but he's been bad in both situations 473 home area, 581 road ERA, and six starts at home thus far this season. He's given up six home runs in 32 and a third. So a lot of his starts have come when the wind is blowing out, but I mean that's going to be the instance once again. And when the wind the wind is blowing out, he always does wind up struggling a little bit. This is a Padres lineup that it is very top heavy. Eric Cosmer sitting right around 285 for the team. Manny Machado he's been able to about a 325. He's been able to give the team a double digit amount of homers. And outside of that, with regards to the starting lineup of this team, you really didn't have anyone else hitting above a 260 for this punch. And nobody else with more than seven home runs. Rickson Profar has been able to give you a 350 on base and in. Limited bets, Noah Mazar has been able to above a 300, but that's a very small sample size. We shall see if that winds up continuing for the Chicago Cubs. Do have quite a few guys that will be able to get on base for the CMS. You've got Wilson Contreras, Ian App, along Christopher Morrell, in between a 267 to a 280. And for Contreras, right around a 400 on base, he's been able to 10 home runs this season. Patrick Woodson, he's been able to give you 12 home runs, which is terrific. But what is not terrific is Ian E. Waddam entering into yesterday with 80 punch outs in 56 games. This is a Guy that if he winds up playing 162 games, he's going to get well over 200 strikeouts. It has been not great with that regard. But with that said, Jan Gomes, he's hitting at 255 for this team. Towards the bottom of the lineup, Jason A, where Jonathan VR, they haven't necessarily been able to produce a lot in. The big trepidation you've got with the Cubs team is that after a relatively decent start to the year, this bullpen has been very, very terrible. Scott Efras, he's right now posting up an ERA that's hovering right around a 275, but that ERA has risen by nearly a point and a half over the last, I would say, 45 or so days. Rowan Wake, north of three ERA, Michael Givens, he has had an up and down season. Daniel Norris has been a hot mess. David Robertson, if they can just get him the ball, has been relatively solid, but and they have had to really overhaul this bullpen a little bit because they are not able to find trustworthy guys for the San Diego Padres. This has not been a great bullpen of their own as well. And the Bell Chrisman has been a relatively solid long guy, Luis Garcia. He wound up having a little bit of a rough series against the Colorado Rockies over the weekend. Craig Stammen, he's starting to get up there in age at 38. He's rocking right around a 3.6 era ERA. And it's a little bit of an issue for this punch, But I do think that Sean is going to be able to get some swings and misses in this spot. Wound up setting the Padres at a minus 131 here. And with regards to the total, a 10 or less. I'm looking at the over, a 10.5 or higher to the under because the wind, it is going to be blowing out out there in Wrigley. 963, 964 on the betting board. You've got the Cincinnati Reds. Yes, we are on the Cincinnati. They're under the road facing off against the Arizona Diamondbacks, as Zach Davies is going to be going for the Saints. And Tyler Molly is going to be on the bump for the Red Likes. The Reds are finding themselves as a little bit of an underdog, anywhere between even money and plus one of seven. Meanwhile, if you're taking a look at the Snakes, it's anywhere between minus 116 and minus 129. Nine is your total under is minus. 120, and the over is even, and when it comes to this total, I did wind up saying my total a little bit north of 9 here, so I'm going to be taking a look at an over, and with the Diamondbacks, wind up setting them at a minus 123. Now, Tyler Molly actually wound up having a 230 ERA on the road last season, and in terms of guys when they were on the road, he was one of the best starters out there in the big leagues, but with that said, it has been a very, very different season for Tyler Molly. He's always had a little bit of a tough time in terms of being able to have good command and take a look at him this season. This is both home and road. He has posted up a walks per nine rate that is hovering right around about a 4.2 to a 4.3. I so give it up one home run per nine innings, strikeout stuff, and it's still there 10 a half punch outs per nine innings, but the lack of command is a bigger reason why he's got a 507 ERA, 518 road ERA, 501 at home, so it has been an issue from home and road, so it's not necessarily too terrific. And then for Zach Davies, who has always had his home run issues, and he's had command issues as well. He's down to about 3.1 to 3.2 walks per nine innings, It's not supreme by any stretch of the imagination, but it's better. And you take a look at Zach Davies and what he's been able to do recently, and he's been able to rein it in a little bit more. Over the course of the last three days, he's got right around a 5-ish ERA, but take a look at his last three starts. He has 19 total innings in those last three starts, giving up just one home run, six runs in total, so he's posted up a 284 ERA in that time span. So that has been something good to be able to take a look at in terms of Zach Davies. and He's someone that has posted up a little bit of a worse ERA at home than on the road, 450. the a big reason why has been the command issues. He's given up 7 walks in about 32 innings on the road, 15 walks in 30 innings at home. you got to think that that is going to wind up being able to iron itself out. And when it comes to the Arizona Diamondbacks team, it's one of the best teams at being able to go deep in the big leagues. Now, they are still in the bottom 6 in the big leagues in terms of batting average, but you've got Joshua Ross who's currently hitting a 285 for this team. Keitel Marte of the Marte Parte has been able to 270. Dalton Varsho, Diane runs. he's hitting a 250. Christian Walker, twenty fifteen 15 times, only right around at 200-ish, but he's been able to do a solid job with being to put-back to ball, Jordan Luplo. He's getting a home run every 12-13 to 13 or so at bats, and for the Cincinnati Reds, Joey Votto is right around a four on base ever since he's come off the COVID IL. After his cataclysmically bad start to the season, he's heated up. He always seems to be a little bit of a slow starter. Albert Amara Jr. sitting just below a 300, then Kyle Farmer, Brandon Drury, both of these guys hanging in the pocket about a 275 And for Farmer. Four home runs over the last two weeks or so. Nick Senzel has not necessarily been able to find it, and when it comes to not being able to find it, both of these bullpens have been terrible. You've got a Diamondbacks team that they're right around 24th in the big leagues in terms of bullpen, ERA. Mark Molanson has been a hot mess. You've also had guys like Caleb Smith not doing the job, though Joe Manette a sub-1 ERA. Ian Kennedy has been halfway trustworthy, and for the Reds after a good start to the season for Alexis Diaz. He has started to regress. Luis Sessa is posting up north of a 4 ERA. Joel Kunal has actually been halfway decent when it comes to his bullpen, but Tony Santián, Hunter Strickland, Art Warren, all these guys have been a hot mess for the team as well. So I do think that we are going to see plenty of runs in this game. While he's up in the same pitcher on the road that he was last season, Davies, he gives up a little bit of hard contact. And the Diamondbacks, they've been a very good under team at home this far this season, but I think that with this pitching matchup coupled with these bullpens, we are going to see a little bit more in terms of fireworks. one want to lay up to a minus 123. The Diamondbacks, so take a look at Arizona and take a look at the over. 965, 966 on the betting board. You've got yourself the New York Yankees playing us to the Tampa Bay Rays as Corey Kluber is going to be going for the Rays and Gerrit Cole is going to be on the bump for the Yankees. This total is 8 over and under, both anywhere between minus 105 and minus 115. And when it comes to the Tampa Bay Rays, find them as a very sizable underdog in this fight. You're going to be finding them anywhere between a plus 175 to a plus 180. Meanwhile, with the Yankees, it is any- between minus 195 and minus 210, and Do I think that the Rays should be an underdog? Yeah, but I could only make this right around a plus 160, so this is going to be a take for me on the Tampa Bay Rays. I don't understand why we've got such a big discrepancy here because, I mean, with Garrett Cole, he has really been able to find it this year. He is showing that without his sticky substance, he is still able to be a relatively solid pitcher, but this is still the Tampa Bay Rays that we're talking about, a team that's in the top 10 in terms of bullpen ERA. The Rays have been dealing with J.P. FireEyes and being out with an injury, but J.P. Juice Anatomy, Sub 1 ERA. Jalen Beeks has really been able to give this team some solid innings. Colin Pooch, a buck 40 ERA. Matt Weisler has been able to do a good job out of the bullpen, and it's not like Corey Kluber is some sort of a bum or anything like that. As a matter of fact, he was pitching for the New York Yankees last season and threw a no-hitter for them. He's got right now a 388 ERA, much of that due to one terrible start that he wound up having against the Los Angeles Angels, but take a look at Kluber. His walks per nine rate right in the pocket of about 1.6. His home runs per nine, a little bit north of one, but he's been able to do a solid job And with Garrett Cole. Swing and miss stuff, it is back with him right around 11 strikeouts per 9 innings, but he's also given up right around 1.3 to 1.4 home runs per 9 innings. He's got a 363 RA. It's not like Garrett Cole has not necessarily been lighting the world on fire. He's got a 287 home ERA. I just don't see why we've got such a big number here on the New York Yankees. They should be a favorite. They shouldn't be a $2 favorite here with the Yankees as well. he have been dealing with some ailments out there in the bullpen as well. this Chapman is currently out of the fold. Chad Green, he wound up undergoing Tommy John surgery. Now, I like Michael King. He's been able to post a sub-3 ERA. Ian Schmidt have been good long guys. Wani e. Peralta sub-2 ERA. Clay Holmes has been absolutely masterful with a 31 ERA. But, I mean, that said, I think that we've gone a little bit too far here with the Tampa Bay Rays They do need to get a little bit more power in general. This is a team that, as a collective, they're getting a little bit less than one home run, per game, and they don't have a single guy that is been able to give you a double-digit amount of formers, but you do have guys consistently being able to get on base. Wander Franco being on the injured list has hurt the seam a little bit, but still got Randy Rosarena, Yandy Diaz, both hitting between a 265 to a 270 g G-Man Choi, right around a 370 on base. While Margot is in that pocket as well, though his batting average above a 300 So you guys are, you got guys that are consistently able to move the line for the team. and with the New York Yankees, I mean, what more could be said about the guys at the top? Aaron Judge has 24 home runs right now. Uh, Anthony Rizzo has 15. These two guys have a combined 39 home runs. The Detroit Tigers team has 30. So I think mean, that speaks how dominant they've been. Judge, he's also got nearly a 400 on base. Take a look towards the bottom of the fold. Labor Torres, CJ turned it up. LeMay, Isaiah Kinner, Falefa. All these guys in between about a 255 to a 270. So maybe they'll get on base for this team to turn those solo home runs into more like two to three run shots. John Johnson, 335 on base. John Carlos San he wound up dealing with a little bit of an injury. He's been able to get a home run every, I would say, 12 to 13 at bat, so he's been able to do a good job there, but with that said, I think that we've just went a little bit too far with this number. I'm willing to take a plus 180 here when it comes to Tampa Bay Rays, and I do think that you are going to be able to see the New York Yankees be able to get a little bit of our contact in this game, but I do think that the Rays pitching, going to be able to hold them at relative bay in this game, set so this total at 7.7, so looking at an 8-under, and I'm going to be taking a look at the Rays as we move to 9 67, 968 on the betting board. It is the Baltimore Orioles. They're gonna be in the road. They're gonna be facing off against the Toronto Blue Jays as you say, Kikuchi It's gonna be on the bump. For the Jays, and you've got Jordan Lyles who's gonna be on the bump for the Baltimore Orioles. The Orioles are finding themselves everywhere between a plus one seventy-five to a plus one ninety. Underdog, meanwhile, if you're going to look at Toronto, it is anywhere between minus two dollars and minus two fifteen. Nine and a half is your total on the nine and a half. The under is anywhere between minus one fifteen and minus one twenty, the over is anywhere between even and minus one hundred five. And when it comes to the run line, currently I'm seeing an even money price on the Toronto Blue Jays. I'd be willing to take an even money run line on Toronto, but the that said, I'm also willing to take anything north of a plus 190 on the Baltimore Orioles as well. So this is going to be a little bit of a play in which I'm going to be waiting on the AM to see which way this lines up moving. As of right now, we are currently seeing the money starting to funnel in on the Baltimore Orioles and I'm seeing a lot of minus 105 and minus 110s on the Toronto Blue Jays run line. So when it's all said and done, I'm thinking that this is probably going to be a play on the Baltimore Orioles and I would personally rather have the Orioles at that massive plus price rather than to lay the run line closer to even money on Toronto. I don't know, just because... I can't trust in Yusei Kikuchi. Yusei Kikuchi is right now a guy that's rocking a 4.44 ERA, and he just doesn't have a lot of command. He's been able to work on that recently, but I mean, he's given up five walks per nine innings. He's given up right around 1.4-ish home runs per nine, and yet you're telling me that he should be a $2 favorite? No thanks on that. At home, he's got a 4.18 ERA, giving up five home runs at 23 and two-thirds innings. So that's a little bit of an issue. Swing and miss stuff is up with him and with Jordan Lyles after he wanted giving up 38 home runs last season. He's been able to send that number downward this season. He's given up more like 1.2 to 1.3 home runs per 9 innings. Still not terrific, but it's passable on the road. He has been getting shelled. 669 ERA. That is not what you want to see as all 9 of his home runs have been coming on the road and opponents are above a 300 off of him on the road, but he is backed up by the better bullpen as well. This is a Baltimore Orioles team that they've got a whole bunch of guys that are coming in and they've all got sub-2 ERAs. Now, do I think that there's going to be regression with a lot of these guys? Oh, absolutely, because Right now, you've got Ode Lopez, Logan Gillespie, Nick Vespi, Marcos Diplin, Felix Batista, Dylan Tate, along with CNL Perez, all with sub-two ERAs. There's no way that that's going to wind up continuing, but it has been very good to see from this Baltimore Orioles bullpen. They have been massive. and for the Toronto Blue Jays, well, it's a little bit of a roll of the dice when it comes to this bullpen, as We've got a lot of guys that, they got ERAs that are north of four right now. Look no further than Julia Merriweather, who really hasn't been able to get things going this season. Trevor Richards, and the got north of a five ERA. Jordan Romano, think closer for the team has been relatively solid. Right around at 280 ERAs, been able to give you the double digit amount of saves. Amy Garcia, Adam Simber, both of these guys have been able to come in and hold down the Fort along Tim Mesa, and for the Blue Jays, it has been a very constant offense. Four plus runs in 14 out of their last 16 games going into what we wound up seeing on Monday as you've got Boba Shett, who's been able to give you double-digit amount of homers. He's hitting a two sixty for the same flagger of junior George Springer. Both of these guys have been able to give you between 12 and 15 home runs thus far this season, and... Springer, he's hitting right around 280. Alejandro Kirk, I think we're going to see regression from him hitting at 323, but I mean he has really come through and he's looking like an amazing hitter. And for the Baltimore Orioles, all of a sudden this team is able to get on base. Trey Mancini, awesome to say his kid hitting between a 290 to a 300. Ryan Mountcastle has been able to hit a 250 along with Cedric Mullins. Now some of the guys at the bottom of the fold, like a Tyler Nevin, Ellie Rushman, these are younger guys that they're taking their lumps right now. But with that said, I do think that they're going to be able to figure it out, and I think that this is just too big of a price to wind up laying on Yusei Kikuchi in this spot, and I do think that both of these offenses are going to be able to get online. Kikuchi has given up a bunch of free passes, not backed up by a great bullpen, and Lyles, he's got a history of giving up bombs, so this is a spot in which I set my total at a 9.7. I'm going to be taking a look at the over, and when it comes to Baltimore, if I'm able to get that plus 190 or greater, going to be taking a shot there. 969, 970 on the bank board. The Chicago White Sox the road, face off against the Detroit Tigers as Going for the Tigers is good old to be determined. They're thinking it's going to be Tyler Alexander. This could wind up being Alex Fajardo if Alexander is unable to go on Tuesday. But with that said, we are preparing for Tyler Alexander and Dylan Cease and Decease it's going to be on the bump for the Chicago White Sox. This is a game that is presently off the board. And with that said, when it comes to the spot, I do wind up setting the White Sox at a minus 163. If it is Mr. Alexander and Dylan Cease going head-to-head, and it's a spot in which I wind up setting a 7.5 or less total to the over and an 8 or higher to the under. Dylan Cease has really been dealing this year with regards to strikeout numbers. Now, he's had a couple bad starts that has really derailed him. But even with that, 314 ERA, his strikeouts per nine rate is just absolutely masterful. It is right around at 12. He has been terrific for the C-man. With Dylan Cease, what I always hated about him in past years is that he pitched much worse on the road than he did at home. How about this year? 210 road ERA, right? A 386 home ERA. right? So it's been good to see. He's given up just one home run in 25 and two-thirds innings on the road. Walks are still an issue with Dylan Cease. He has been giving up right around 4.7-ish walks innings, but opponents are just a 2.15 off of him, and if we do wind up getting Mr. Tyler Alexander, he hasn't necessarily had a lot of rehab appearances and has always been a relatively steady-eddy guy. He does wind up giving up maybe a little bit too much hard contact, but with that said, if he does wind up being able to get the start in this spot, it is a guy that for his career, right around a 4.40 ERA, the swing and missed stuff, right around 7.5 to 8 strikeouts, per nine innings, gives up a little bit of the deep ball, but at the same time, he's only giving up for his career right around 2.2 to 2.3 bucks per nine innings. And the big thing for him is not laying the game on fire because the Chicago White Sox have some very demonstrative splits against left-handed pitching. This is a team that against right-handed pitchers, they're hitting right around 230, and they're getting a whole bunch of bombs. Meanwhile, you take a look at what they're doing against lefties. They're hitting a 292 against left hand pitching. Their home runs per at-bat rate, I mean, they're getting a home run in every, I would say about 23-ish at-bats, so they have been able to do such a better job against left hand pitching. It's absolutely insane to take a look at, and this is a Chicago White Sox team that they've been stuck in the mud with regards the to of their offense all season long. This has been a bottom 10 team in terms of just being able to supply runs in general. You do have A.J. Pollock who's starting to pick it up. He, Jose Abreu both hitting between about a 250 to 255 with recent runs for both of these guys. Abreu was able to go deep yesterday, so that was big for them. You've got Luis Robert who's hitting right around about a 275 along Jake Berger for this team and Andrew Vaughn. He's been able to have 290 with a 350 on base, but you all make Luri Garcia both hitting below the middle line of 200. Yasvani Grandel not being able to figure it out. Eloy and still being out of the fold. it's hurt them and for the Detroit Tigers. I mean, this is just a bad lineup in general. You've got Javi Baez, Jamir Candelario, Jonathan Scope, Spencer Torkelson, Robbie Grossman. I mean, shall we go down the list of guys hitting a 210 or lower? Eric Koss is someone that you're able to throw in there. Now, Miguel Cabrera's been able to about a 290 for the seam, Errol Castro, and just blow a that That's been pretty solid for the team. But, I mean, the Detroit Tigers, they've got right now 31 home runs in 60 games as I'm seeing it right now. And I mentioned it, the Yankees, you've got Aaron Johnson, Judge and Anthony Rizzo have a combined 38. So that just speaks how bad it is. But I mean with the Detroit Tigers, they I mean, got the second best bullpenning area out there in the big league. So if Alexander does wind up getting lit up a few times in this spot, you do still wind up having a bunch of righties that are able coming out of the bullpen, and they're able to do a very solid job. You've got someone like an Alex Lang who's posted up a sub to ERA. Willie Peralta, same for him. Will Vest has been able to do a good job of be able to lend some innings. Even someone like Andrew Jaffin has been able to hold down the fourth end for the Chicago White Sox. You've got Liam Hendricks, Long Kendall Graveman, a great eighth and ninth inning duo. But who do you have outside of that? Kyle Crick has been able to come off the injured list. He's looked a little bit better for the scene, but Matt Foster is starting to regress. He's got nearly a four-ish ERA. You take a look at what he's done over the last three days. He's rocking a 540 ERA. So it's not necessarily too terrific right there. They've been using Jimmy Lambert and Rinaldo Lopez in long relief and has not been working. Jose Ruiz has a north of five ERA, so you got some issues there. I do think that if you do wind up getting Alexander against Dylan Cease, that we're going to see a relatively low scoring game. I do think that it would be only a few innings for Alexander, who is I believe a left-hand pitcher, so that would be a little bit of a detriment to the Tigers, but you've got a lot of righties out there in the bullpen that would be able to pick them up. So, in the case of Cease versus Alexander, would set the White Sox minus 163 on the money line, would be willing to take anything of plus money on the run line with them as well, and a 7 and a half or less, we'll be taking a look at an over in 8 or higher to the under. As we move on to 971, 972 on the banking board, the Boston Red Sox are going to be playing us to the Oakland A's as Jared Coning is going to be going for the A's and Nick Pavetta is going to be on the bump for the Red Sox. So Red Sox find themselves anywhere between a minus 210 and a minus 225. Oakland is anywhere between plus 185 and plus 195. Drawing this game is 9.5 under is minus 115 to minus 120. The over is anywhere between even and minus 105. And it's a spot in which I do wind up setting the the Red Sox has a very sizable favorite at a minus 223. If you're taking a look at their run line, you're going to be finding that anywhere between a minus 105 to a minus 115. I was willing to lay up to a minus 125, so I am in on this Red Sox run line personally to be able to reduce the juice. I recognize and a, a little bit of a roll of the dice with regards to taking a home team on the run line with the way the things have been going this season, but when it comes to Mr. Koenig, he wound up making his first career start against the Atlanta Braves, and the team wound up getting crushed 13-2 as he went four innings, giving up four runs. Now, with the Las Vegas Aviators, he did wind up having a sub-250 ERA. was able to keep the ball in the yard, and he didn't wind up giving up any home runs in that first start. He's been a guy that has been able to do an okay job of being able to limit walks throughout his minor league career, but not a guy that winds up getting a lot of swings and misses. And against the Boston Red Sox, I think that that could be a big, giant issue because you take a look at this Red Sox team, and you've got an absolutely unstoppable trio in Xander Bogarts, Rafael Devers, J.D. Martinez. All these guys are hitting at least a 321. You've currently got Devers, who's been able to go deep 14 times with 35 RBI. He has been masterful. And then past that... Christian Vasquez has been able to do 270 for the seam. Alex Verdugo over the last 30 days he's been able to do nearly a 250 for this bunch. Trevor Story has some pretty demonstrative home and road splits as well. He's really been able to do his best work over there with the Red Sox at home as six out of his nine home runs have come at home thus far this season and take a look at his start to the season. It's not necessarily been the world's greatest but he's got a 335 on base over the last 30 days so he's been able to pick it up. Kike Hernandez has been dealing with injury. That has been a little bit of an issue for the seam a long time. Bobby Dahlbeck just not. Being terrific, but the Red Sox, after they were terrible out there in the bullpen to begin the season. Now they're a bullpen that's above average. Phillips Valdez is back to be able to give the team some long relief. It's been a rough start to the season for him, but he was a little bit banged up. Austin Davis, a sub two ERA that's a roadless. He just wanted coming out the injured list out of Casa has been relatively solid for the team, even though Ryan Brazier has not been. And for the Oakland A's, the bullpen wound up starting out the year relatively solid. And now you're seeing some massive regression with the Danny Menace, who wound up having a sub-buck fifty ERA for much of the season. He's not gotten an ERA that has crept up to right around about a 5-ish. It's not necessarily too terrific there. Adam Eric, Justin Grimm, both of these guys between about a 4 to a 4.50 ERA. You've been able to have Sam Ball, A.J. Puck be the constants for this team, but that uh, said, Domingo Acevedo and Zach Jackson, they're both rocking right around 3.70 ERAs, and for the Oakland A's, you just have no hitting for this team whatsoever. this far this season, they have gotten as a collective 44 home runs in 62 games. They're hitting a 2.12, which is I believe the bottom mark out there in the American League and the Detroit Tigers still exists as you've got one guy, that has consistently gotten that pass and sitting above a 255, and that's a backup catcher in Christian Bethlencourt was now become the full-time catcher because he's the only guy that can hit. Rabon Laureano has been able to pick it up 331 on base. He wound up beginning the year away from the team but you know, with that said, Childen Noisy, Luis Buted, uh, these guys that you were relying upon to be able to elevate this team. They're hitting right around 225. You don't have a single guy in the roster with more than 8 home runs. So I will say, Seth Brown has been able to right around 3 home runs for the team over the last 7 days but still a big time issue with regards to this Oakland A's team, which is why I'm going to be taking a look at it under, because I just don't think that the A's are going to be able to do their part against a guy, Nick Pavetta, who all of a sudden has been masterful for this Boston Red Sox team. You take a look at what he's been able to do over his last five starts. 33 innings. He has given up just three home runs in that time span. Rocking a 245 ERA. And then you take a look at what he's been able to do at home thus far this season. And he's posted up a 367 ERA. giving up just nine walks, three home runs over the course of 27 innings. Now his overall walks, that's right around three walks per nine innings. But opponents are getting just a 215 off of him. So I do think that Nick Bavetta is going to be able to land a relatively good start here, which is why I am in on the Red Sox on the run line in this spot. And when it comes to total at a 9-9 a little bit too high for me, just because I just don't think that the Oakland A's gonna do their part on this total. So looking under and looking Boston on the run line nine seventy three, nine seventy four on the betting board. This is gonna be the DK Nation pick. As you've got the Houston Astros on the road facing off against the Texas Rangers. Dane Gitterdunning is gonna look to Gitterdun for the Texas Rangers, and Jose Arakidi is gonna be on the bump for Houston. Houston has found themselves as anywhere between a minus-121 to a minus-135 favorite. Meanwhile, if you're taking a look at Texas, they're two-stepping their way to anywhere between a plus-110 to a plus-120 underdog price. Total on this game is 9, and it's all over the place. The over and the under are anywhere between even and minus-120, and should pick picking this one. We're going to be going with the total. I set my total at an 8.1. I was a little bit surprised to see a 9. Houston has played over two thirds of their games to the under thus far this season. And, and this has been a really, really good team in terms of their pitching, which is why we have seen all these unders. The Astros currently number one in terms of bullpen ERA. And Jose Urikidi is not going to put guys on cheaply. His walks per 9 rate this year is 2. He has been giving up some deep balls. He's given up right around 1.8-ish home runs for 9 innings. So that is a little bit of a knock on Mr. Urikidi. 661 road ERA as well, but with that said, I do think that things are gonna wind up by earning out from opponents are currently hitting a 322 off of them. You gotta figure that things are gonna to start to regress a little bit more to those 2021 numbers where opponents were in closer to a two eighteen off of them. I'm thinking that it's probably gonna be somewhere in the middle of what we're seeing right now and what we wound up seeing last season. Then for Dane Dunning, he has a one and four record, but a four forty one ERA. And ever since he got to Texas, he has been so much better at home than he has been on the road. As you take a look over the two seasons that he has spent with Texas, he's got an ERA that's Suffering right around a 3-3 at home on the road that winds up trending up north of 5 and it actually approaches 6 so that is a big giant issue right there and for Dunning he doesn't give up a lot of hard contact plus in a home run per 9 innings as far this season he's actually given up a little bit more hard contact at home than on the road but he's been able to do a good job of being able to control the walks right around 2.7 walks per 9 innings and you do take a look at the Texas Rangers team and it just doesn't necessarily strike fear into opponents as you take a look at what well, you're able to get out of Marcus Simeon, Corey Seager, both of these guys in between about a 215 to a 220. Now, Simeon, he's been able to hit six home runs over the last four weeks for the seam, so he's starting to pick it up. You've got Adelis Garcia, Coco, and Joe Deheim, between a 240 to a 250, but you really don't have guys that are able to consistently get on base for the seam. And for the Houston Astros, it's been a little bit of a slog for the seam as well in terms of the bats. Jeremy Pena, Jose Altuve by Brantley running between about a 275 to a 290. Altuve has been able to give you a double digit out of homers and Jordan Alvarez. One more could be said about him going into Monday, hitting a 311, 17 home runs. North of a four hundred M. He's been terrific, but Yoy yell sitting at two hundred for the team. The catcher spot whenever Martin Maldonado's out there has been bad. You've been trying to mix and match with guys like Mauricio Dubán Jose Siri out there in the outfield. It's been a little bit of an issue for all those guys, and this is a Rangers bullpen that they're in the top half of the big leagues in terms of their ERA as well. Joe Barlow has been able to do a nice job. A couple with Brock Burke of both being able to provide a sub-250 ERA for the CMAT. Moore has actually been able to be an okay bullpen piece after he was a failure of a starter. You even take a look at someone like a Dennis Santana. He's been able to post up a buck 50 ERA. So, got a lot of guys firing all cylinders when it comes to this Rangers bullpen. I do think that as a result, we're going to see a little bit of a lower scoring game when you got guys like Brian Presley. We're able to close things out. Ryan Sanik has a one ERA. Rafael Montero a sub-250 ERA out there in that Astros bullpen. Should be able to keep the scoring down. I do think that both of these starters are going to be able to provide a good start here. So, the DK Nation pick is on the under with the Astros. Set them at a minus 142 as well. So, look at Astros money line and with the DK Nation pick looking under. 975 976 on the betting board. You've got the Minnesota Twins in the red face-off against the Seattle Manors. Logan Gilbert is going to be going for the M's and it is good old to be determined for Minnesota. So this is a game that is currently off the board. Right now, Fangraphs is projecting Dylan Don't Call Me Al Bundy for the Minnesota Twins and If we get Mr. Bundy going up against Logan Gilbert, I did wind up saying the Mariners as a minus 138, but once again, this is just a projection. We don't know who's going to be going for the Minnesota Twins right now, but with that said, if we do wind up getting Bundy against Gilbert, Gilbert is going to be a minus 138 favorite with a a 7.5 or less. going to be a look on the over and an 8 or higher to the under when it comes to the total, and I think that it is very intriguing to take a look at what we're getting out of Logan Gilbert. He has been masterful this year. 6-2 record, 241 ERA, and he's been able to to really control his stuff as well. Right around two and a half walks for nine innings. He's getting about a strikeout per inning, 70 punchouts in 71 innings, and what has been good for Logan Gilbert, just being able to control the contact as well. Five home runs overall, giving up in 71 innings and just one home run in 23 and two-thirds innings, giving up at home. He's actually made a lot of his starts on the road, so that has been, in my opinion, a good thing for him. Now, he is backed up by a bullpen that has been less than trustworthy. Drew's second rider was so big for Seattle last season, and he was so bad this year. He wound up getting DFA'd. You've had Andre Smooth Munoz, along with even something like Matthew Fessa, both posted up north of four ERAs. Penn Murphy has been able to give you a sub-two ERA. He's been good for the team, but Sergio Romo it submerges ERA to right around a six. And then for Dylan Bundy, it has just not been going well for him in general. 587 ERA. Lot of what winds up hurting him is the deep ball. He's given up nearly two home runs per nine innings. Pitching out there in Seattle during the nighttime, where it's about as pitcher friendly as you're going to find in the big leagues in places not named Oakland. I mean that is going to be a lot of them up because he's given up seven bombs in 26 and two thirds innings on the road with opponents hitting a 3.53 off of him on the road compared to a 2.03 at home. Got to figure that that home batting average is probably going to go up and that road batting average is probably going to go down a little bit. But he is backed up by a bullpen that it is decent. It is not great. It is not terrible. They wind up getting back Emilio we'll Bagan which is solid for the team. Johan Duran, he's got a 270 ERA but one of the best fireballers that you're going to find out there in the major leagues his strikeouts for 9 rate is right around 11 this guy is Nasty Jarrell Conten has been able to come in he's giving us up to ERA and for the Minnesota Twins. I mean it's the Byron Buxton show right now. This team. He was banged up in the month of May. Here in June, he has really been able to ignite. He wound up having two multiple home run games last week against the Tampa Bay Rays. He's getting a home run every 10 or so at bats. That is magnificent for the team. Luis Arias hitting a 360 going into Monday. Carlos Correa just above a threader Now, got a couple guys like Gary Sanchez, Jose Miranda. They need to pick it up with Gilberto Sacino. He's been able to ride around a 340. Trevor Lardich, Gio Urshela. These guys have been able to get on base. Max Kepler is hitting a 250. And for the Seattle Mariners, all of a sudden, you You've got a lineup that is pretty solid. You've been able to have JP Crawford give this team a 300 batting average, Chai France right around a 325 batting average, 38 RBI for this team. Taylor Trammell's come up. He's been able to do a solid job of be able to get on base. He, Adam Frazier ending between about a 2.30 to 2.40. Jesse Winker, not a great batting average, but has been able to get on base. And then Eugenio Suarez, right around a 3.30 on base. Double-digit amount of homers for him. So, this is a spot in which Bundy against Gilbert, I would wind up setting my total at a 7.8, which means 7 or less to the over 8 or higher to the under end. With the Mariners made them minus one thirty eight on the money line. 9.77, 9.78 on the banking board. The Cleveland Guardians are on the road facing off against Colorado Rockies. Antonio Sensatella is going to be going for the Rockies and Jane Bieber fever on the buff for Cleveland. Cleveland anywhere between minus 145 and minus 154 favorites. Meanwhile, with Colorado saying we 125 and plus 144. 10 and a half to 11 is your total on the 10 and a half over saying between minus 115 and minus 120. The under anywhere between even and minus 105 on the 11. Our under anywhere between minus 115 and minus 120 over sending between even and minus 105. And I did wind up saying my total at a 10.6. I would rather have an 11 under rather than a 10 and a half over with Antonio Sensatello. It's been Murphy's Law for him this season. Anything that can go wrong will go wrong, and I do think that we're going to see positive progression. Now, not much of a swing and miss, guys. He's getting right around four and a half straight cuts. For nine innings, and his hits per nine rate is, I'm not even kidding here, north of 13. That is the worst among guys that have thrown at least 40 innings this season, needless to say, but that said, he is going to be someone that I think is going to be able to do a little bit of better job moving forward, especially with his last start being a positive momentum booster. Went on the road against San Francisco, wanted giving up one run over the course of six innings, so that was very good for him. He's still giving up a bunch of hits, but at the same time, he is able to do a good job of being able to give up more soft contact. He's given up just three home runs in 41 innings as far this season and at home 376 home, area 675 road ERI. So I do think that that's something that's very important to take a look at. you got to figure that the ERA is going to go up if the opponents are going to continue at a 396 off of them at home. But I do think that that's going to be going downward a little bit. And then you take a look at Shane Bieber and he is not necessarily the same guy that we wound up seeing from his Cy Young season but he's still getting right around 9.5 strikeouts per 9 innings. He's allowing less than .7 home runs per 9. He has looked pretty dominant recently giving up a grand total of 6 earned runs over the course of his last 5 starts. Giving up no home runs in his last four starts, four walks in his last four starts. This is looking like the Shane Bieber that we all came to know and love. And you take a look at what the Biebs has been able to do on the road. 223 road ERA compared to a north of four ERA at home. So it has been masterful what he's been able to do away from Cleveland. And this is the Guardians bunch that they do a very good job of being able to get on base. And currently they are the best team in the big leagues at not striking out. Jose Ramirez has really been the head of the sink for the team. Leads the league in RBI with 59, 16 home runs. He has been flat out terrific, but beyond him. You've got he, along with Andre Jimenez, hitting between about a 290 to a 305. Oscar Gonzalez, limited bats for him, 64 at-bats, sitting nearly at 400. He has been terrific, and then you take a look at Steven Kwan, 363 on base. O Miller, Josh Naylor, Amid Rosario, they're hitting between about a 260 to 265, so it's been rock solid. Guys, other than Ramirez, have not necessarily been able to slug out the deep ball, but certainly has been a very solid year for a lot of these guys, even with Framiel Reyes being a big, giant bust rooney for the seam. And the Guardians, they've got a top-ten bullpen in terms of ERA as well as you've been able to have Trevor Steven be able to help out Nick Samlin be able to hold down the fort Emmanuel Classe has been the good closer for the scene but Failed starters, Eli Morgan, along with Sam Entiges they both have sub-3 ERAs from the Colorado Rockies. Second-worst bullpen area out there in the big leagues, Robert Stevenson. has been a hot mess for the team. You've had Carlos Aceves not do a great job. Alex Colmey has actually been solid. Sub-3 ERA, Daniel Bart, as the last few seasons, they would do a good job of be able to provide some relief. But now, you know, looking at Jake Bird needing to give you some innings because so many guys have wound up failing in this bullpen. Chad Smith. Has been sent up and right now in a small sample size, a 2070 RA. So not necessarily great there. This was a spot in which I wound up saying the Guardians at a minus 152 on the money line. If you're looking at the run line at the Westgate, I'm finding them a plus 120. And if you're able to get a plus 120 run line on Cleveland because... Keep in mind, this is still Coors Field where runs can be had very very easily at the drop of a hat. I'd be willing to take a look there. I would rather reduce the juice here and take that plus money run line with the Guardians because being able to get a 2 plus run win in Coors, that's not the hardest thing in the world. So I'm looking at the Cleveland Guardians run line in the spot to go along with an 11 under as we go to 979, 980 on the bang board. The San Francisco Giants going to be playing off to the Kansas City Royals. Chris with a K, Boobich is going to be going for the Royals and Logan Webb is Going to be going for the Giants. Giants are in between minus 240 and minus 255 favorites, and between $2 and plus 215 is your price on Kansas City, seeing a plus 220 out there as well. 8 to 8 and a half is your total on the 8 overzending between minus 115 and minus 120 the underzending between even a minus 105 on the 8 and a between minus 115 and minus over overzending between even a minus 105 and when it comes to the Royals, I needed at least a plus 266 to be able to take a shot here I really don't like them in this spot with regards to the San Francisco Giants, find them at a minus 115 on the run line and I am more than willing to take the run line of the San Francisco Giants in this spot, I was willing to lay up to a minus 130 when it comes to this run line because, well, it's Chris with a boobich who has not gotten out of the first inning already twice thus far this season. Now, the Giants did wind up having their home win streak when Logan Webb pitches for them at home during regular season games come to an end in his last start. It was at 18 straight games. We're looking to build a new streak. And who better do so than, I guess, Chris with ak boobitch K-Bubich who's got a 913 ERA over the all. Now, this is a small sample size, but he's made two appearances on the road thus far this season. An 18 road ERA. Now, I think we could wind up seeing a revert back to 2021 where it was more like a five, but I mean, even last year Chris with K. Bubich gave up 16 home runs in 66 and two-thirds headings on the road and the Giants, they're averaging a little bit over five runs per game at home. It has been very very interesting to take a look at that and for the San Francisco Giants, you've got the jock show, Jock Peterson, 13 home runs he, Mikey Stromsky, Thario Estrada, only between about a 267 to a 277, Luis Gonzalez has been able to above a three-arm for this team you've got Evan Magoria back in full. Brandon Crawford has not necessarily been himself this season long. Darren Ruff, both of these guys it's been rough. Those two, One time, he was selling between about a 220 to a 230, but you got to figure that they're going to be able to pick it up and for the Kansas City Royals. To their credit, four-plus runs going into Monday's game in six out of their last eight games. Salvador Perez starting to pick it up a little bit. He's getting a home run every about 22 or so at pass. Andrew Bennett, he's been above a 300. And then MJ Melendez, Hunter Dozier, Michael A. Taylor, these are guys hitting a 258 or greater. Taylor's actually up to a 280, but Carlos Santana, ever since the All Star break last season, he's been pretty much the most useless hitter out there in the big leagues, hitting just a buck 81. Witt has been able to hit about a 250 over the last 30 days, but he's still just hitting at 225 for the season. Bobby Wood Jr. has been able to find his way. He's hitting at 245. He's had a lot of multiple games over the last two weeks or so, but it's also a Royal team that they rank in the bottom five of the big leagues in terms of bullpen ERA. You've actually been able to get some solid innings out of guys like Josh Shamount, Alonjo Payamps. In the last week or so. But Piamps looks like he's going to be unavailable. As they wound up going to Daniel Mengden. Who I believe was pitching in Asia. At this time last season. So. That's not necessarily too great. Alberto Breu, wine's coming in from the Texas Rangers. He's got a sub 3.5 ERA, but Taylor Clark He has been ghastly bad. He's got north of a 5 ERA. Dylan Coleman has been untrustworthy. And for the Giants, this has been a below average bullpen this far of the season, but it feels like they needed to transition away from Buster Posey a little bit. Jordan Garcia, Camilo Duvall, these guys have been constant. Jake McGee, Zach Liddell, Dominic Leon were injured towards the beginning part of the season. They've come back. They've been able to look a little bit better recently. John Brevia has been able to give you some very solid innings. He's posting up right around 275. ERA. So I do think that the Giants are going to be able to have a good start here from Logan Webb, who has been a little bit sketchy himself thus far this season. You take a look at Webb 377 ERA, but I mean I want to mentioning the set a little bit earlier. Always has been a little bit better at home than he has been on the road. 328 home ERA 425 road ERA with zero home runs given up at home thus far this season and his walks per nine rate and is hovering right around about at 2.1. So this is the spot in which I'm going to be taking the San Francisco Giants on the run line. And when it comes to subtle very intriguing with the way that Things have been shaking up, but with that said, this is a total that I did wind up setting it an 8.2 the way that Chris with the K-Bubich has just been getting destroyed. So I'm looking at an 8 over, personally. Only 8.5 I'm seeing is away from Las Vegas out there in DraftKings, so we're looking at it over, and I'm looking at the Giants' run line, and we're going to wrap things up with 981-982 on the banking board. The LA Angels, they hit the road to face off against the LA Dodgers. Tony Gonsolin is going to be going for the Dodgers, and Noah Thor Syndergaard is going to be on the bump for the Angels. Angels find themselves anywhere between plus 160 and plus 170 underdogs. Meanwhile, With the Dodgers, anywhere between minus 175 and minus 195 is your price. And after nine is your total on the ENF. Overs anywhere between minus 120 and minus 125. The under is anywhere between even and plus 105. On the nine, the under is anywhere between minus 120 and minus 125. The over is anywhere between even and plus 105. And when it comes to Dodgers, made the minus 193 on the money line. If you're taking a look at the run line, I was willing to lay really up to a minus 105. Find them anywhere between even money. I'm plus 105, and I'm going to look to reduce the juice. I'm going to take a shot on the Dodgers on the run line. This is still one of the best offenses out there in the big leagues, even with Cody Bellinger struggling. And Don Solon has been absolutely amazing for this L.A. Dodgers team. Buck 58 ERA. It's given up right around .6-ish home runs per nine innings. The walks have always been an issue with him. He's still giving up a little bit over three walks per nine innings, but take a look at what he's been able to do at home. A one ERA in his five starts. 27 innings. He's given up three runs. He has been terrific now. I do think that that's going to be going northward a little bit, especially with the LA Angels having Mike Trout back in the fold. Trout has been able to do a solid job hitting 16 home runs. He looks to be out of his funk in Otani, 13 home runs hitting 255. Brandon Marsh is also hitting right around 255. It's been a little bit banged up, but he's been solid. Jared Walsh, double digit amount of bombs. He's been able to do a solid job of being able to get on base as well. And even Matt Duffy is hitting a 300. So the Angels' problem is not necessarily being able to get on base. The Angels' problem is that his pitching has just not necessarily been great. And what a shock that I'm talking about that. And for North Orr, Streaming Guard, after he wound up having a couple relatively solid starts to begin the season, it's not been so great recently. Over his last four starts, posting up nearly a 6 ERA, he has been really not being able to deliver a lot of length as well. He has been averaging right around 4.2 innings per start in his last four. Seventeen total innings over the course of his last four starts, and what has really been hurting Noah Syndergaard is that on the road, he has been a completely different guy. At home, he's got a buck forty eight ERA on the road. 7.88 in his four road starts, he allowed 14 runs that are earned, 16 runs in total in his 6 16 innings with the opponent saying a 348 off of him and then he's backed up by a bullpen that is absolutely terrible. Ryan Tapera, Rossi Iglesias, Aaron Loop, all north of a 4 ERA. Andrew Wants has been one of your best bullpen pieces thus far this season. Jose Quijada has been as well. I mean, these are guys that you don't want to be trusting in. And when it comes to Sally Dodgers team, you have been able to have Mookie Betts be, in my opinion, the MVP to this point thus far this season. 16 home runs, hanging at 275. He has been absolutely masterful for the team. Trey Turner along with Freddie Freeman. Both of these guys hanging north of a 285. Both of these guys north of a 350 on base. Chris Taylor, he wound up leaving the game on Sunday, but that said, he's been able to 255 for the team. Kevin Lux ain't nearly a 300. Will Smith, after a rough start to the season, he's been able to get jiggy with it. Overall, he's got nearly a 350 on base. You take a look at him over the last 15 days, he's been able to give you about a 360 on base, so he has been able to tick it up a little bit as well. So, this is a spot in which I did wind up saying my 12 in 8.3 with the way that console has been pretty unhittable. And keep in mind, this is still a night game out there in Los Angeles. Ball not necessarily flying as well. So, taking a look at the under. I think that city guard is going to be a little bit better, but consoling. I think it's going to be rolling. So looking at the Dodgers on the run line, along with this total under. And that'll wrap things up for the Tuesday edition of the Baseball Betting Show, now part of the VSIM family podcast. A big thanks to our good friend, Matt Pauly. Does great pre and post game work for the Milwaukee Brewers. He joined me in the second segment. If you'd like what you're hearing from this fine podcast, baseball betting show, you're able to subscribe wherever you podcast: Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, and TuneIn. If you've got a question, comment, segment or whatever you for this podcast, you do have one of two ways we offer those in. First one is my Twitter timeline at GUNIT underscore eighty one. Keep in mind letters ym. If does not matter, so as per usual, please just send these into the timeline. Otherwise, find an Apple Podcast review. If you rate this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated. From there, you're able to fire whatever you'd like to hear on this podcast. Find five, that five-star review coming at you guys every single day throughout the baseball season. And that means I'm coming at you. Let's get them on. Thank you so much for tuning in.
3: Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details.
5: Hello,
0: it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere